help me welcome the author of Confession of a Mad Black Coach, Brooklyn, USA, Hall of Famer, Ted Gustus. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Yes. 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 You have you just stepped into, into, into the world, world of chaos. chaos. Where everybody, Where everybody goes, goes hard. Come on, come on. Go hard. 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 Go home. Never back down. You gotta hold your Go hard. Go hard. Go hard. Go hard. Go hard. Go hard. East Coast. Go hard. West Coast. Go hard. Midwest. Go hard. Dirty, dirty. Hurry up, everybody. Get online. Tickets because the game about to start. Hey, Gustus. Yes, sir. How you doing, coach? Oh, man. Good to see you. Great to be seen, man. Oh, man. You looking young as ever. Oh, man. This is fantastic, man. Um, good to see you. All right. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you for joining us here at Basketball Heads. Um, it's, it's been a pleasure. Uh, it's been a long time waiting because me and Rob been talking about this for a long time. Actually, Tiny Morton was my first guest. Wow. And he talked about the importance of giving you guys your flowers while you guys are here. Mm -hmm. Because one day, Rob Phelps, Tiny Mortons, the Will Jacksons, they're going to be the Ted Gustafsons and the Ray Haskins of the world. Exactly. Yeah. So, first of all, I would like to ask, who introduced you to the game? Hey, believe it or not, I started playing basketball around the eighth grade, man. I was at junior high school, 57, with Lord Wheeler. Right there. You went there as well, man? No, no, but uh, I live in the community and I know a lot about yeah, it. Yeah, man, I was at 57, man, and um, just doing some crazy stuff out there and... Um, like any other kid from Bed-Stuy, do or die. And um, I had this white teacher, man, this young white teacher by the name of Barney Davis. He must have been about like 22 years old. I was like 15 going into my ninth grade. And um, he was new at the school. And in order to keep us intact and out of trouble, he used to invite us at lunchtime into the school to play ball. And I wasn't really into ball like that. I played handball, and I was a singer um, with a group out there called Soul Redemption. So basketball wasn't my thing. And this man introduced me to this game. And the eighth grade and my summer years, man, I went over the summer, and I started practicing this game and putting in time. And I came back in the ninth grade at, at, at uh, 57. It was a wrap. I had this crossover dribble, jumper, everything, man. Even even Barney said, what, what happened? I fell in love with the game. And um, I started going to Walt Frazier and Emmett Bryan's basketball camps back in the days when Walt Frazier was smooth five. And, yes, um, yes, yes. Man, I wanted to shoot like him and do everything like him. And... Um, I began to really develop a love for the game at that time. And to be honest with you, Barney was the first one to introduce me to white people. 
because you know you invest time on these people that you know is white, even the teachers or bill collectors or what we call the bulls, which is the detectives and the police officers and so forth. But I went outside of that and I started playing with his team, the Wrens, and um, I was like only about two black kids on the team, me and this kid named Fred, who's a friend of mine. Loved it, man. So I, I credit Barney Davis all the time, who's a great coach, a great person, still in the community, coaching girls. He coached a lot of people in our community and um, just shows you what a, a young teacher could do and come in instead of being so afraid to embrace the young people in the community. So I credit him for getting me started every time I get a chance. Barney Davis. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I talked about uh, my coach Bobby Hartstein and how he took us up to Shenandoah Hall in New York and had us stay with the opposing team's family, right? We, we went to school with white kids at Lincoln, but we never really interacted with them like that or went to their homes. Right. So coach took us up to Shenandoah Hall. We got to you know, eat, family, uh, eat dinner with the family, get to know them, and see how the other side lives. Right, and it only thing it does is just broaden your horizons because of the world and the country that we live in. Exactly, you know, it had such an impact on me because at that time, Martin Luther King, uh, by my sixth grade, seventh grade, Martin Luther King had gotten assassinated, and um, the place was in turmoil. And um, I, when I finished at fifty-seven, you always go to the high. You know, because Boys High was the school. So especially if you had to right. bowling, you go to Boys High. And I visited Canarsie High School for the first time. And um, there was not many black people there. And I was into that mode. Like, look, you killed Martin Luther King. I'm coming to this school. I'm going to integrate this dog school. So I went in there, man. And uh, we had some incredible times, man. It was busting a lot of us. I had just moved to Brownsville, and um, so they started busing us from Brownsville into the Canarsie area, Canarsie High School. But what they didn't realize, they were busing some hell of a basketball player uh, from Brownsville, like World Be Free, Earl Thomas, um, you name it, uh, O'Neal Tarrant. All of us started, we just started going into, into Canarsie High School. And we had a great Canarsie High School basketball coach by the name of uh, Mark Reiner. So, uh, incredible. So, from 157, I went to Canarsie. And that's where I got the coaching of Mark Reiner. Uh, yeah, I, I, I read about that. Um, at that time, in the neighborhood, who was that guy in the neighborhood that everyone looked to? Like, who was the guy, the main ball player that everyone looked up to? Uh, at that time, you had um, World Be Free, always looked up to him. Of course, you always got Fly. If Fly, you looked up even if you don't want to look up. He made sure he see you. Because Fly was... That's uh, right, that's he right. Sure he was, he was. And then Jocko, Greg Jackson, Jocko. And then I came up in um, around 219 Park, or for there, um, and around that area, the Lincoln Terrace Park. So out of that came um, um, Joe Washington. Oh my goodness! Yo, hey, the, Joe Washington was incredible, man. 
If you're a Where did he go to school? What? I didn't even know that. He was, he, he didn't go to school. He, he was schooling people. <laughs> but this guy was jumped on you, man. He was incredible. Anybody that knows the hood, ask Bernard Hardy about Joe Washington. And by the way, Bernard was a great player from out of Wingate. So, incredible. So, basically, um, Joe Washington, Beaver Washington, um, uh, that's Beaver is Pearl Washington, um, brother, older brother. So, we all came Yeah, Ernie was, Ernie was pretty good. Ernie was pretty good. Pretty good. Ron Jonesy, um, all the Brownsville guys, and then over there uh, with the Niles brothers, and, and uh, of course, you had um, all this Bernard King, but we all came up together in that side, you know. So it was pretty, pretty wow. cool, man. We had some great players during that time. The 70s and the 80s were great, great uh, basketball players that came out during that time. That's when New York, especially Brooklyn, was was the thing, you know. Yeah, I just put out a series, uh, The City Game, and they talked about the different boroughs and the players and which players had the, the, the greatest impact. So I hope people uh, find that entertaining and very informative. Yeah, yeah. So that was cool. You, you be putting out some stuff, man. You, uh, you're on top of your game, man. You ain't coming up. Thank you. Stuff, man. I heard a lot about you, man. In fact, so many people said to me, Coach, you got to get on the show, man, because the brother be rocking it and so forth. And I said, all right, you know, so Phelps called me. Uh, Eric Hicks called me. Ray Haskins, everybody's like, Coach, you got to get on this. I know you, you're going to be able to give some stuff to him as well. But uh, I'm excited about being here with you tonight, man. I really am. Uh, uh, this, this, is, this is where we created the platform for guys like yourself. Uh, my partner um, been trying to talk me into this for a long time. It's like, yo, this is what we came up doing, right? And... We need to give our fellow ball players their flowers over here because we lost so many, especially during this time. Oh, man, we lost a lot of guys. I lost a total of 24 people during this time. And I include my ball players, all of them, all the, um, um, the great Mo Kirby and all of the guys, yes. man. Oh, man. I, it, it, you know, and, and relatives and family members. That's right. Yes. When you say Look, I cried I cry when Mo died. Like, I, I sat here just by myself and, you know, a real good friend of mine, we came up together competing against each other, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and just always kept a tight brotherhood. That basketball bond kept us tight. Well, you got to know Mo Kirby and all of them. They played in my junior high school league. Uh, Lawrence Pollard, Phelps, all of them. I had a, one of the biggest junior high school leagues that ever existed in the city. And um, them boys, all of them played. I, I had all of those guys, man. And it was incredible watching them play. Uh, they traveled from school to school. That's when middle school basketball was really at the top, man, you know, really tight. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, that that was that that was the, the starting points, right? Before, like, the AU and stuff kicked in uh, heavy. Yes. And um, yes, question. Did you play in the Brevos uh, Sports Foundation? Now, why would you ask me that question? That's not even a question. You should have said, what did you do when you played in the Foundation? <laughs> Who didn't play in the Foundation? I got, Coach, Coach, I'm a journalist now, so I got to ask these questions. <laughs> this got to be, this is basketball heads, right? So you know if I played ball, 
didn't think my game was anything, I had to play at the Breed Boys. Man, we couldn't wait till those lights came on. My team was fly, though. I had some great warfare. When I came in there, I was with Jocko. I was with Fly. I was with World. I was with um, um, Big uh, Bo. All the, all the guys, uh, Willie Hall. We had the whole Brownsville crew, man. We used to go and wipe up people, man, left and right, man. we get on that court. Uh, Jocko used to call a play for me, and, was, and it was seven. And seven was a straight-up clear-out, so you couldn't play no zones. It was a wrap because I had, I had a wicked crossover dribble. So when he called seven, it was over with. Now, right. if, you don't know, if you don't know, you got to ask somebody. You know, God, I know you know me from coaching, but you didn't see me really play. So, but no, let's Someone today, a friend of mine who lives in California, he now resides in New York. He grew up in California, ball player. My guy, uh, Sean Cali Hawthorne, he said, Oh, God could play. I seen him play in the 50 and over. On forty and whatever league in BRC, right. and they say you was giving the work. He put that in my comments today. Wow, isn't that something? Yeah, that's that fifty and over league. Um, we love that that fifty and over. I, I retired from there after taking five chips, uh, like a kid. <laughs> I took five chips. Me and my boy, I had Earl Fuller, all of those guys. Man, we we just went at it one. That was it, man. You know, with, with Earl Fuller, man, you. That's a beast, man, from South Shore High School. Went on to LIU and so forth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, he was tough. He was tough. So how much of an impact did your high school coach, uh, Mark Reiner, have on you? Man, let me tell you something. Mark Reiner was an amazing coach, man. And what, what I liked about him is he understood each one of his plays. And I did very well. I played as a sophomore a junior and a senior on the varsity basketball team. And um, he always taught me about being what I normally did. I started coaching when I was in high school. So my senior year, my junior year, I was coaching basketball. And, um, and Mark Reiner was one of the person that really influenced me because what he did, he saw that I was involved in the community. I'll never forget, man. It hurted my heart, but at the same time, I understood. He said to me, he said, you see World Be Free? World is going to be a professional basketball player. He said, but you're not. Now, could you imagine you were, you were in high school and you're like, yo. He said, not that you can't play, you my starting point guard and everything. He said, but you have a greater calling. And your calling is the community. You're going to be some politician. You're going to be a community activist. You're going to be something in your community to, to do things. And that stuck in my mind so much that I just engrossed that and got it and picked it up. And, um, and I credit him for um, seeing that in me and making sure that I understood my priorities when it came to basketball and coaching and I would have the ability to influence a lot of thousands of young people at an early age because I was always mature as a, a, a junior and a sophomore. And actually, because I got left back, you know, in elementary school. Same here. Same here. I, I don't run away from it. Same I don't man. run away from it. So I'm proud of it because we made it through, you know. That's we, right. We had to yep. go through that experience. 
And um, but um, and my my junior year, my senior year in high school, I met uh, really got to meet uh, Lester Roberts from St. John's University. We were myself and Bernard King. Our team was the first wheelchair classic team, the first Brooklyn USA team that played like Baltimore, Philadelphia to raise money to build out, help build up St. John's. And uh, back that time. I didn't know that. Wow. Unlimited. Yeah, so we were the team then, back in those days. Uh, Hold on, Coach. One, one second. So you're saying they took the best guys from Brooklyn, USA, and you guys played other cities? You, you guys did play other teams in New York City? Yeah, we played other cities, man. You know, we had teams from Philadelphia, Baltimore, all of them. They would come down. We would pack St. John's. And I never forget because we were playing to uh, raise money um, to get new backboards and everything at St. John's. Man, I remember like it was just yesterday. And, boy, we would have those games there, and everybody would come out to see us play. Uh, but Lester Robbins was one of – he taught me how to love my players. He loved his community, but he taught me how to love my players, man. And uh, I'm so grateful for that part of him because I was into the disciplinary side of coaching and everything. But at the same time, the love that he had for his community – was off the chain. And um, we all came up from under him, and uh, we missed him too, man. May, may he rest in peace. Yeah, yeah definitely man. salute. Great man. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you were this tough point guard in high school. Who was your toughest competition? Uh, my toughest, our toughest competition was, well, you know, we was at Canarsie, so it wasn't too much tough competition during that particular era. I'm just being serious. Um, but I tell you, um, of course, Boys High, you got to, no matter what, you got to go through Boys High. And you got, that was when they was on Marcy. So I don't know if you ever seen the gym on Marcy. Yeah, yeah, right around the corner from my brother. My brother lives right around the corner, yeah. They got the big old um, uh, pillars that play defense for you because you got to always keep an eye on them. And, you know, uh, man, we had some rivalry games there at the high. Um, South Shore was a newly formed school later on. They came around uh, in, in, the, in the early 70s, 73s and so forth. And they started getting a lot of players because now instead of everybody sitting in Canarsie, they was going to South Shore. South Shore. And they mm -hmm. gave us a little bit, but nothing, you know, it was a rivalry. But we handled our business, man. We had so many ball players that was so good, good in our in the way we coached. Lafayette. Uh, Lafayette was good, Lafayette yes. Lafayette was good. And then of course we had uh we had to go up against like Clinton and uh, with Butch Lee and all those kind of guys. So Clinton High School was, you know, the Bronx and those type of teams are really tough teams for us. But we we, um, we were a very successful program, not just a team, a program. And uh, within uh, one, two, three, four, four years, uh, we went back, we went 24-0. Uh, 
So the first year with World Be Free and all of us, that was 24 and 0. And then Curtis Redding and them came back in 75 and 76. And they was number, they were the first Canarsie team to be rated number one in the country. Curtis Redding, wow. Ty Latson, um, uh, Ty Wade is a uh, kid. So what year was six, that? Excuse me? What year was that? That was uh, 75, uh, 75, 76, or 76, 77, one of those years, yeah, right in between. In fact, it I gotta was, check was, that out. it was 76, 75, because Jeff Houston, remember Jeff Houston, right? Yes, yes. He played for Canarsie, and um, he was a senior in 75, him and Dennis West. So those two guys was really good ball players as well. Yeah, he, sharp, sharp guy. Yeah. Uh, I, the last time I saw him, he was running a recreation down a recreation center down along Manhattan. Yeah, well, he's not there now. He done, he done moved to Florida and everything. So. Uh, yeah, I know he probably retired. This was some years ago. Yeah, yeah, it was some time ago. Yes. Mm -hmm. did, did you play against Mel Davis? Who? Mel Davis. No, no, no. Mel is a before my time. Mel Davis, okay, okay. Mel Davis went, with my, went to school with my brother at Boys High, uh, Killer, they used to call him. Uh, no, he, he he got me about, maybe about three or four years here. Okay. Around my oldest brother's age. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was on, uh, I think, last week, and I didn't know his nickname was Killer. Killer. So I was walking around the community and asking people about him, you know. Y'all going to have Mel Davis on the show Check him out. We're going to be on Instagram. So like, yo, you going to have Killer? Yeah. I was like, Killer? Yeah, yeah. Right? So, right before the show, his daughter reposted the flyer, and she put Mel Killer Davis. And I said, wow, this is official. It's yeah, official, right? It's official. That's, Mel, Mel had a great, now let me tell you something. That, that guy was amazing. He went to South St. John's, and, um, he had a great high school career, a great uh, college uh, career, and went into the pros, did his great, great businessman. And he actually, like you said, he became one of the top guys for the Knicks and um, later on became in their front office and so forth. Helped a lot of people as well. Yep. Definitely, definitely. Great man, great man. So is yourself. So, Coach, I want me to put you on the hot seat. But there comes a time when a ball player comes into a zone and they face a competitor that they look forward to playing. And it's either you bust his ass or he busts your ass. Who ass did you bust to let you know you had game? Oh, man, that's a good question, man. You know... It, you know, the thing about it is um, we play so much ball, man, and it, 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 every park that we went through, man, we went to every park and everything. I got to tell you, you don't know this guy's name. His name is Charlie Chris. Charlie Chris played, we played in the program game up in um, uh, Roberto Clemente State Park. And I played, I was um, up there playing because we normally play pro, pro league like that. I was like 27, 28 years old. So, you know, you're in your game now. That's right. You're in your prime. That's right. Yeah. 
And um, I went up there and I played with Bobby Hunter. The big Bobby Hunter. Bobby Hunter was with Gold Trotter, but when we played real ball. And I had to play against this guy, Charlie Chris. Now, Charlie Chris was one of those stocky, real good ball players. He was dropping 39, 40 points on everybody, man. Woo. And, um, man, I was there. I had this wicked crossover dribble, man. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them, coach. Tell them, coach. No, I, I mean, they didn't have no YouTube and videos and stuff, you know, like that. So I don't tell you a thing, but ask anybody that ever um, uh, actually seen me play in my day. Um, but at 27, 28, it was the crossover and the jumper that came together. You know what I'm saying? It was like right, right. The boy was crossover to the hoop, crossover to the hoop, layoff, finger rolls and stuff. But then once the jumpers started kicking, it was a wrap, man. So I I scored a lot of points there, and it was my first time where um, I got offered uh, to try out for the Atlanta Hawks. And um, yeah, so I actually went down to the to the whole sessions that they were having in Atlanta. Pretty cool, man. It was real nice. I was coaching at the same time at that time. So my heart was really in the coaching. I went down there and um, had some fun. Um, my guys back at Dittmas was waiting for me to come back, thinking I'm going to make it and so forth. Here you got all these Division One team players. These guys is like, this is for the money, man. I was like happy to be there. And um, had some fun. I didn't take it as serious as I should have because um, I really wanted to coach. Uh, that Mark Ryan was in my head so much that I had to get back to start coaching my kids. And um, that's when guys like Rolando and John Sally and all those guys, they weren't really no ball players at that time. They, they were learning the game, you know, which their stories are unique. But, um, yeah, but that game, Charlie Chris, I always remember him because he was a hard guy to guard. He always went right, but you couldn't stop him because he was super fast, super quick. But I did my, I held my own in that game and scored pretty well and assist and did a lot of stuff with that. And had the crowd going with the crossover dribble. Did, did Charlie Chris play in the NBA? Charlie Chris went, I think he played a couple of years in the NBA. I'm not, I think so, yeah. Yeah, somebody said he played for the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, yeah, he was the guy that, that made the team. So. Oh, okay, okay. Well, listen, look, I, I, I always talk about the game uh, when I played against Anthony Mason and West Forth when he first joined the Knicks. And, you know, uh, we had I had 28, he had 34. And that's the game when Earl got into that uh, incident with Elmer. It was that game. Wow. Yes. Right? You remember that so, game? So, I didn't even yeah, remember the Charlie Chris game, I didn't remember, but this is what they do on Basketball Heads. They start allowing you to remember something like this here. I don't know, Charlie might come and say, yeah, but I got you this time, you know? Hey, listen, so look, good, hey. Man, so. That's right, that's right. Hey, Anthony was playing in the league. I just It just let me know that I could play there too. So that's all it says. And you know what? It's interesting because back then, man, a lot of guys went into the league, Division One. When you play down at the Brownsville Recreation Center, I could have named a whole bunch of guys.
down there on St. John's Red, where you stepped on that court, even if you didn't play, uh, it was even if it wasn't an organized game, it was one of those games that when you walked in the gym or you go to Soul in the Hole, yeah, you you, you got to bring your A game, man. That's right. Lincoln Terrace Park with Joe Washington and all of them. Nah, you got to come. You, you, every night you got to come ready. And we did this every night. We were ballers, mm. man. We were fiendish, man. We went everywhere. Allentown, Pennsylvania with the Allentown Jets. Played on those teams and played Dow Dawkins and all of those guys. Me and World and the rest of the guys, we jump on here and go, you know. And, I, and that's pretty good. I had a conversation with Garfield Smith, the Maryland great, uh, yesterday. And we were talking about the guys from the other boroughs coming to Brooklyn, right? Yeah. My argument was Brooklyn guys go everywhere to play. Yes. And not too many people come to Brooklyn to play. Right. That, what, what, you, you're absolutely right. Um, as, they, as we got older, the younger people started to go venture out. In fact, we got a lot of Brooklyn kids that played for teams that's not even from Brooklyn. We yep. never did that before. We always stayed together. And it's just like um, the wheelchair classic, right? Uh, you remember the wheelchair classic, right? Yeah, definitely, yes. I just wanted to get you back since you asked me about breathing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But the wheelchair classic, um, I played in it. I started with, with uh, our brother Hank Carter who started the wheelchair classic from um, um, his um, desire to help the people at um, uh, Roosevelt, Long Island, the uh, Goldwater Hospital. And, uh, yeah. But every year they would have Brooklyn, Queens, and so forth. And you just got to, Brooklyn is like, yo, if you allow any team to beat you outside of Brooklyn, then that wheelchair classic is a problem. <laughs> uh, it got tougher when Phelps and them got, you know, their era. But before then, yeah. we ran stuff. But then it, a lot of our kids was going to different areas like Jamal Faulkner and Price of King. That's Queens. Right. I, I never understood I, I never understood how he ended up at Crescent King. Well, but they started giving scholarships and everything, you know, and the PSAO was great at one point. And then, of course, we... Um, uh, once they start giving scholarships or whatever, not, oh, excuse me, my bad, um, assistance, <laughs> financial assistance, no scholarship. Remember, I coached at um, Nazareth and Bishop Lockwood for uh, over 14, 15 years, so I understand. Yeah, we're definitely going to get into that. So, yeah, so now, you know, you're moving on to coaching because you was coaching ever since you was in 11th grade. Yes, sir. And you started to venture out. What was your first coaching job besides the high school part-time thing you were doing? No, 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 no. My first coaching job ever was Dittmas All-Stars. I created that team, the Dittmas All-Star team. Uh, my first group of guys was guys like Dow Johnson. Uh, they were only about a um, little bit younger than me, to be honest with you, maybe two years, you know, um, and um, I was taking teams to, that was my roughneck team. So basically, I used to take them to Arthur Kill Road, Penitentiary, 
and let them play there and get a chance to see what it like to be in the prison. And I was only in my 11, 12th grade myself, uh, but I was just, that was my leadership skills at that time. And then um, my oldest player that I've ever coached, he just died, and he died at age of 61. So wow. basically, uh, he was the first player that um, that uh, I ever coached. And um, um, so I understood um, that coaching didn't have anything to do with um, uh, your age. It had to do with the passion and your willing to learn. And this is what I tell my coaches now as commissioner. Uh, you got to put in the work, man. You know, so... I would learn from everybody. I would go around, first one, foremost, uh, Mark Reiner was great. Barney Davis, um, Lester Roberts, you know, his organization skills and all that stuff. Gil Reynolds, the way he taught fundamentals, you know, I Gil fundamentals, you know. And I like, I, you know, and I would take things from everybody. And, um, and then as I went into college, uh, I was under... Al Pemberton, uh, Coach Pemberton, and Coach uh, Robert Fox. Fox was a basketball genius. I mean, he, he was really, he taught me a lot about not just playing the game, but coaching the game as well. And um, so I started that Dittman's All-Stars. I started the Dittman's All-Star Basketball League at Dittman's Park. And it became one of the premier basketball leagues. Uh, so if you didn't make it over to Breedwood, people had to run from Breedwood over to Dittmus. And I had every top player playing in Dittmus. From Al wow. King, Bernard King, um, um, Jeff Houston, you name it. Everybody played in that park. And I was a senior in high school running that, that tournament. You know, Curtis Redding, Ty Ladson, um, all, all the guys, man, you know, that came up during those areas. Know? Wow, that's a first. I've never heard someone in high school <clears throat> coaching rather, you know, than having their own league. So salute to you, coach. I wouldn't so my guy, my guy Sirius Styles wanted to know who was the coach that you coached against to let you know that you could coach? All right, now, listen. That's like playing Styles. Yo, yo, dude, Styles, he's there? Yo, let me he's on here, Styles, yeah? Okay. He went to Grady. Cool. He played for Grady. Styles, let me just say this to you. When I went, there were some games. I, I used to coach at junior high school, 275. I had some incredible young players there. Rob Phelps came from 275. Then you had LeBron yeah. O'Neal. You had Cassie folks. I had some players. We used to, we got so good in the uh, junior high school level that I would take them to play against high schools. We played Bishop Laughlin, Naz, all of their their teams and, and kill them and play. Wow. So when I got into Nazareth High School, um, the coach that gave, that got me to the point where I knew that I was there on a in a, in a institutionalized thing, not not on the sidelines because I coached there, but I'm talking about organized, institutionalized uh, basketball, you know, within a, in a high school ranks. Jack Curran. 
Wow. Rest in peace. Yes. Jack yes. Came to my school at NAS, and he came with a team. I'm mm. talking about Kenny Anderson, uh, Ralph James, uh, Wordan Six Nine Six. All of these. I mean, he had. And Kenny was, you know, Kenny was the man. You know, you. He was big, yeah. New York City dog. Yeah, you got to be there. You know. He was incredible too, man. Kenny, Kenny is no joke. Yeah. But one of the things, the greatest compliment was when they came into Nazareth, um, they had blew us out at Malloy. They really did. Because you couldn't do nothing. I had Rob Phelps was my center. And he was a sophomore. Wow. And um, I basically, when they came to Nazareth, man, we lost a close game to them. And they came, they left, they walked out here sweating and so forth. And and the coach Curran said to me, he said, you know what? He said, your kids were well prepared. Wow. Now this was the legendary Coach Curran. And yeah. uh, and basically from that point on, um, I knew that it was important that people knew that hey, this guy knows what the hell he's doing. Um and I studied under um John Wooden, I went. I used to pay money to go to his camp. Lou Conaseca was my man. That was my dude right there. Lou Conaseca and Red Sarachek. So these were guys that I went on the Dean Smith, and I paid money to go learn how to coach from those guys. So mm -hmm. uh, I was. I knew how to be prepared with my guys and get them ready and so forth. But Jack Curran's team and us having to try to stop Kenny Anderson. And, and we're with our community guys. We had no superstars, none of the things they had. Uh, that was my opening to say, you know what? I could coach on this league because you know at that time the Catholic school league was, you know, wow, you know, so highly sophisticated, you know, and especially with me being a black guy coming in there to coach. I want to let you know the book you talked about. I heard you mention Confession of a Mad Black Coach. Yes. That book was written after I finished my career, after I retired. And the reason why I wrote that book is it's confession of a mad black coach. Not that I was mad. I was talking about making a difference. And yep. my confession was that I really give jack about basketball. More, I was more interested in how do I use this game to save the lives of my young black boys in our community. How do I use this game to impact? I got that Mark Reiner mentality that you're going to change the community. So I use this sport instead of having the sport use me. And basically, that was my whole thing. So in that book, it spells out. And for the first time, I told my life story in it. And it stunned a lot of people because no one knew because I wouldn't let anybody know what my life, what I had to grow through. I don't go through this and I grow through these experiences. And we mm, everybody mm. go through experiences because you just wow. don't, you don't get anything. That's right. right. So um so this book was there to uh, help other coaches and help young people so when they pick that book up they can have the ability to um use it to motivate themselves as well. Um but yeah um so that, that Jack Curran game was 
Malloy was one of the great. I had a lot of respect for Jack, uh, Coach Curry, because he was really, really another guy. Even though he had great talent, he knew how to knew what the heck he was doing. Because no, no matter what, when that talent was going, he still was coaching, and that's that's a pattern that I had as well. Oh yeah, and, and <clears throat> it's good that you went in and invested in yourself, in your craft, right? And, and I think a lot of high school coaches. And coaches, period, should take note of this. If you want to get good at something, you study, you learn, you do your research, and you become a student of that game. So you're prepared when it's your turn. Well, don't you think it's kind of hypocritical? And you almost, you're a hypocrite if you tell your kids to put in the practice, to put in the time, and then you come to your practice and you're unprepared. What is yeah. wrong with you? I, You know, when I walk into the gym sometimes, and now as PSL commissioner, I'm sure we'll talk about, but when I walk into that place, man, and I see kids all over and coaches uh, talking to their kids and they're looking up in the stand, they're over here and over there. I'm like, come on. And then there's no no lesson plan for the day's workouts. I say, what? You know, when you walked into my practice, you knew exactly what you want to do. The first 45 minutes, Rob Phelps would tell you, I didn't even run the practice. My captains did. Because that's what I learned from Mark Ryan. He let the captains run the practice so they could get used to hearing their voice, not instead of mine. And But it was structured and organized. They knew they had their little thing on the wall. Here's what we do next, 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 next. And then I'll come in and do my teaching, especially in high school because we don't have a thousand coaches. You know? Right. Mm -hmm. And you prepare them for greatness because what that turned into is a couple of city championships, a couple of state championships. Mm -hmm. Yes. yes. Let's talk about that. How was that run? Well, you know what the thing about that is um, there, there was a number of people that wanted to do stories when I first took the job at Nazareth High School. First of all, no one expected me to get to Nazareth High School. They like they ain't gonna hide no black guy. Straight up, this is what the community was saying. Everybody and there was no black coaches black in the whole Catholic school league at this time. So now listen to this. You gotta, and I mentioned this to you, but I wanted to bring this to your attention. The Catholic school league, you got what we call the CHSA, Brooklyn Queens. That is what considered one of the toughest Catholic school leagues. We call it Brooklyn Queens because that's the one Brooklyn Queens. That's like a tight-knit Brooklyn Queens. Then you have the CHSA, Manhattan, Bronx, and so forth. So they did have a black coach, and I'm, I want to respect Xavier. Not Severian, but Xavier. There was a black coach, a brother that was there, Xavier. I was the first black coach, the coach, head coach varsity for the CHSAA Brooklyn Queens. Gotcha, gotcha. You know, which was the... The, the, the power ranking, the power, the power school. You got Bishop Laughlin, you got Christ the King, St. Francis, Bishop Ford, Holy Cross, all of those teams were, that was like, you don't get into that, you know? And um, so when I got the job, I was very confident. Uh, by that time, I had worked, uh, did internship with St. John's University, which is New Connor's second. So 
people didn't know that Luke Connick is the godfather of the Catholic school league. So, you know, at that really? time, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So basically, I used to run it, help Luke run his camp. I recruited players, you know, in terms of uh, introducing players to the school. Um, I did a lot of learning under Luke Connick for about three or four years. And um, so when it was my time to become coach, I had to have the Godfather make them an offer they couldn't refuse. <laughs> by giving them a call, wow. by giving them a call at least to say, "Hey, this guy is a credible guy. You need to, you know, really look into him." Um, so when I went into the interview, the school had averaged about four wins a year for the uh, previous three years. Four wins. Right. They had not beaten any of the other Brooklyn Queens teams since when I got there in those four years, before I got there. And um, so I, I came in and, I, and, and I, in my interview, I said, um, they said, well, when are you going to tell people? When do you want to do an interview about you being the first black coach? Mm. I said, I don't want to do an interview about me being the first black coach. Because see, what you call attention to, you draw attention to. So I like, I'm a coach. I don't want you to write nothing about me being the first black coach. I want you to write about me being a coach that happens to be black. And I, I switched that around, and I was very strict on that because I was not going to allow you to push me in. Oh, you're the first black coach. That's your fault. Y'all, it ain't, it ain't my fault. You, I, being first, oh, you're the first black coach. I know it sounds celebratory, but the reality is I am a coach first. I'm a human being. I'm black. And I want you to know that I can coach. I learned from Lester Roberts. I learned from Ray Haskins. I learned from Gil Reynolds. I'm coming in. Y'all not going to get what y'all think y'all going to get. They used to call us PSAL coaches. That was another terminology for black coach. Wow. You know, so um, so in my first year, we won five games. And uh, in those five games, um, it was the first time we won one more game than we did all of the other years. We won two. We won two league games. And one of them was at Madison Square Garden. Wow. The team picked us figuring that was going to be an automatic win for them. So they needed it. They was the host for the Garden game. And they picked us to come in, and we upset them. That was Bishop Ford. And wow. And just went off in that game. He was a freshman. And um, so then the second year, we started off shaky. We had lost like 10 games. It was like um, 2 and 10 or something like that. And by mid-season, we ran off 16 games in a row. Wow. That included the um, the uh, city championship. And uh, then we went up into the states. We lost um, the state championship um, by two points. And um, then the following year, we came back. We won the city and the state. Wow. And, um, so this is in three years. So guess what? I decided to grant the Daily News a story. 
on me. And you know who I granted to? Stephen A. Smith. Wow. Oh, my. I was going to say Bill Travis, but uh, yeah, Stephen uh, A. Smith. I said, first of all, Stephen A. was a young, new dude in there, hot, you know, how Stephen is. And basically, I knew him from the neighborhood. I know Phil Hayes. And now um, they went to Winston Selm together. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I said, yo, I'm going to give him this story. And he did an incredible story on me in that. And he did his homework. And it wasn't no nasty story. It was what I wanted, you know, basically. And um, me and him stayed friends from that day on. Uh, he always talked about, yo, you gave me my big story for the Daily News. Uh, that that that'll be good. Yeah, he he got he got it he got to come uh, on basketball hands one day because he's a New York City guy and he played in New York City, so that'll be awesome. I, I I didn't write down the black coach question. I didn't even put that down. Thank you. Right. I I said that to myself. I said I'm not gonna ask uh, him how does it feel to be the first black. I just I I feel the same way. And when I saw your team that you picked the other day, your top five NBA guys that came out of New York City. Oh, yeah, yes. We picked the same team. Oh, yeah, uh-oh. So what is that? We picked that. That was my team. You know what That's the same team I picked. I was thinking, uh, when I put my team together, all I was thinking about is how can I win? And I, Me? <laughs> I don't get no Coke. flashing and stuff. How do I win? Listen, that team? Coke, I said the same. If you go back and read my post that I put up mm -hmm. about the top five players that came out of New York City that I would pick, right. I'm trying to win. I'm not picking a bunch of dudes who are going to be shooting the ball. <laughs> I got to pick dudes that's going to work together. Yes, so at the point guard, Right? We had Tiny Archibald. Yes, we did. Yes. Mm -hmm. At the two guard. By the way, let me just say something about Tiny. Tiny yes. and I were good friends, right? So we used to play, as we got older, we played a lot against each other. Because in the 50 and over league, you know. And But Tiny is a great guy. Me and him, that's my fraternity brother as well. Uh, we just recently got awarded through the um, one um, the Get Back program that Jose Gavan uh, runs. And uh, Tiny, Tiny had an operation, got a new heart, and I mean, really a new heart, and he looked great, man, handling his business. He is one fantastic, he don't get enough juice to me, man, because Tiny was the man, and, and he would run your show for you. So I, I dig you on that point, God, yes. Go ahead. Yeah, that, that, that was my God. Uh, two God was Rolando Blackman, right? Somebody that's gonna get you buckets, but somebody that's at the two guard that's not so self-absorbed that he's going to, uh, like, sh uh, shun the rest of his players and shoot the ball too much. Yeah. You know you can counter them. He's going to be a clutch player, and he's going to play some defense. And, and well, ask Jordan about that. Jordan said Rolando was the toughest guy that he had to play. He had to play on both ends. So I understand that you're looking to get rolling. on him. You talk about Mr. Intensity. You see the nice role, but when you see him, when he get when he gets in there, he's very intense. He always has. Listen, but I'm glad you when I talk to Rome, I can hear it in his voice. 
Yeah. You can tell, and, you, and I know kids, you, you can tell why he's a four-time NBA All-Star. That's just yeah. what it is. The difference, right? At the three guard, I mean, at the uh, small four, we both had Bernard King. Right? That's because at the end of the day, if all else fails, he's the walking bucket. Right. If all else fails, they challenge Kareem, they make it too tough for Tiny to get the ball into Kareem or to bring the ball up, you know you get that ball to Bernard. Yeah, man. You right about that. That's for sure. Bernard going to get buckets. He always get buckets, man. When we play anywhere, anywhere on the court, and you know what? His level of intensity with a guy like him, Rolando, and Nate Archibald. Yes. Kareem. Yes. That's that's high intensity there, man. Yes. Right? And then the the first uh swing power forward. All right? Let's call him the, the first. All right, what the NBA is doing right now. And that Brooklyn Legends, Connie Hawkins. That's right. That's right. Versatile, he can hold, you know, play from the small forward to the guard the power forward. So many different things you're going to get from him. Yeah. Right? Wingspan is incredible. Everything, man. Run the court. And then you got the GOAT of New York City at the center. Right. Yo, that's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I wanted you, I want you to know that's my GOAT of NBA. Oh, no, no. Just put it this way. I wrote something about this. I said Kareem is the GOAT of basketball. Jordan I, is the GOAT of the NBA. Woo! And LeBron is the GOAT of all high school players and anybody that came out from high school straight into the pros. And there's a lot of guys. I think when I, and Coach Jay was concerned about this GOAT thing, and I like, look, nobody played better than Kareem at all levels. Not Michael or not anybody. You know, unfortunately, uh, LeBron didn't even play. Um, college, and but then it wouldn't have been Kareem. He wouldn't have done anything close to Kareem if it wasn't college. No, not Kareem. And Jordan, of course, he came in the NBA. He 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 took that thing to a whole nother level. And then uh, and then I called LeBron the system. To me, everybody played in a system. LeBron brings the system. Wow. And he never had a coach that was. Hall of Fame coach like John Wooden and and all these other guys. Kareem had John Wooden. Michael had Dean Smith. Even they played in the NBA. They had Pat Riley and um, uh, Phil Jackson. I mean Phil Jackson. What what major coach did LeBron have? Didn't he, didn't he have? He didn't have. Uh, no, he, he he didn't. Wow, none. You know why? Because in Miami he had Spolster. He didn't have. Pat Brown. Uh, yeah, you know what? LeBron has a system that works. Everybody else plays for a system. He is the system, and you play for his system. And I, someone asked me before I was on a TV show, on the show, and they asked me, what would I do if I was coaching LeBron? I was like, yo, um, yo, let's get that system working. What all the other coaches do? You want to win, man. What more you want? You, this system works. I'll wow. some things here and there, but, you know, and let them know that I'm going to yell at them a little bit. You know, don't 
don't get out of whack because if I can yell at you, then I can I can do that to all the other players. But yeah, but that was a great team you picked, man. Nah, same here. Look, great minds think alike. So you coached a lot of ball players, right? Yes, sir. But now that you coach a lot of ball players, these ball players turn into successful people. Mm-hmm. You know, Rob Phelps, Phil Hayes, John Anderson, and countless others pros that you uh, coach and other professionals you coach. Right. How, how important to you is that? Man, let me tell you something. I Excuse me a second. I just wanted to make sure that my phone don't die out. Uh, okay, okay, it's all good. We, know, we, we still live. I know we live. I know how this Instagram stuff works, man. This ain't this ain't the uh, CBS or ESPN, man. So, but, but um, yeah. So um, let me just say this here. I am so proud of my guys, man. I have a uh, a group of young men. Oh, coach, coach, coach. Plug your phone up. We're gonna come back for one more session. All right. Okay, great, great. All right, this way you call me. I'm coming back, and I'll, I'll come back in the room. All right, let me go in here. All right, all right. Honest, he also hey. played for Coach Grandy. Wow, man, my hey man, that look, yo, mm-hmm. you got oh, serious, boy. Oh, thank you, brother. Thank you. Appreciate that, man. Wow. <laughs> God. All right, now you gotta give me that though. What what is that? That just what what is it? What we got to do, man? I, how much it costs? You, 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 you're doing it. You, you're doing it. You're doing it right now. <laughs> Tell you, this is why we, we created this platform. We want to give, you know, guys like yourself their flowers. You know, I, I, I always tell a story about seeing Lamar Odom on this podcast called Drink Champs. And it's basically a hip-hop podcast. Had nothing to do with basketball. And I just felt they did them wrong. And they didn't ask anything about his ball playing career, which made him Lamar Odom. Mm. Right? And with his basketball thing, it's, it's, especially New York, and I guess every other place in the country, it's a brotherhood. And we got to protect this basketball brotherhood. I agree with you. you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and especially this time, a lot of people going through some things. They're losing family members, friends, childhood uh, associates people that we looked up to and we just want to create this platform to let everybody know that if you're a ball player in New York City and you had an impact and you touched other people, come on basketball heads and tell your story. You, you know what, let me just say this to you too, man, because I was getting ready to communicate with you. Uh, I got to give a shout out to my dude, man. My, 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 my number one senior, Jonathan Anderson, man. When I came into Nazareth, man. Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan became him and Rob was the one-two punch, man. I mean, that boy. Everybody don't talk about Jonathan, but I gotta give Jonathan his part. But that guy, he, him and Rob, they carried my teams uh, against some great teams. We played Fez Academy, all of them. And John was he was a killer, man. John was a killer. Guy, and he went on and did some great things, graduate. His mother is very involved, God bless her soul. She uh, taught him very well, man. She was a, he's a community guy. 
and so forth like that. And then, um, of course, Phil Hayes, my point guard. So you got to understand, I I know Phil since he was six years old. Wow. And help be around him. Him and, him and his dad, his father, he and I were like this, man. I mean, you see one, you see the other. Him, his father, his mother, Sorella uh, Hayes. Um, I mean, community-minded folks took care of the community, came in, and th that, this is what we talk about, the village. They we they never let anybody go hungry. In fact, um, and Phil Hayes, he went on and played at uh, John Jay College, and then he went to Winston-Salem, and uh, now he coached with about 10, 15 years with Rod Phelps. they brothers, you know, and they, they really, really do a great job over there at Bethel uh, Academy. And uh, I know he watches, so I want to make sure I get a shout out for my um, for my juice, man. I, I need to get some of that. Uh, uh, That's Seymour's. Listen, I was going to call him today. Phil, uh, tomorrow I'm going to call you because I'm definitely going to support you because the, the flavors you be having, I never tasted before, so I definitely want to give you that business. John, Phil, Rob, all been my guys. Friends for years, great, great, great people from the beginning, from from the time we were teenagers to now we're grown men. Let me good let me, tell you, let me tell you a little bit about Rob Phelps. You know, Rob Phelps, Rob Phelps. I don't know if you had him there, but when if you ever go to a game and watch Phelps coach, yes, I do. Yeah. Well, that's how he was when he played. The level of intensity is off the chain. I've had many players, man, and I'm going to tell you, I coached Phelps when he was in junior high school, and then when I went over to Nazareth, he came along with me. Him and his boy, I was trying to get Dal Scott to come over there, but he got Lorenzo and Eric Fernandez. They all came over to Nazareth. Rob is an incredible leader. Uh, he did very well. Um, he just missed out, and Rolando will tell you, on the Dallas Mavericks. He was at the tryout, and he did everything. He was killing these guys at the tryout. Made Rose, he went there and stayed at Rose House. Fantastic. All the way to the end cuts and everything, he was right there. And then one of the veterans decided that they wanted to come back and play. And that's when Dallas took one of the veterans, and, and they had to drop Rob. And then, of course, he went and did 12, 13 years overseas playing basketball. Yeah. And still still was successful overseas. That boy know how to make some money, though. That's for sure. <laughs> Rob the hustler. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. You know that. You know, he got to take care of us a little bit, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, listen. Um, I played with Dwayne Martin, right, at the Empire State Games. And Dwayne always wanted to be an actor. Yes. Right? We had some characters on that team. Um, one of those guys was uh, Peter Nash from Bishop Ford, who wound up becoming a rapper for third base. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? But these two guys, you know, we didn't pay attention to them when he, he said he wanted to be an actor. And Pete wanted to be a rapper. Two years later, 
Well, the next year, P has an album out on Def Jam. And I'm an extra in Above the Rim, and Dwayne is the star of the movie. That's right. That's right. And let me tell you, with Dwayne, and if you notice any of the guys that played for me, basketball was, again, just a tool. If they didn't make it to the pros, it wasn't a, uh, like, for instance, Dwayne, Shake, we used to call him Shake. Um, I don't know if you knew his name was Shake. Yeah, yeah, I know Shane. Yeah, smart guy. Listen, I, yeah, I know him and, him and Eric Johnson like this. Yeah. He went to NYU for acting. You know, he always wanted to act. That's, that's always been his scene. Um, Omar Epps, they all came from Brownsville, right, in the same area. Right there, Omar Epps, was, uh, mother was a principal at schools right there in Brownsville. And, um, and, no, everyone that plays for me must have a another passion. I'm not gonna say a second uh, fallback stuff. No, another passion. So basketball is one passion, and you can have two passions. Nobody can tell you have it. So basically, John Sally was always in, always in um, the. Um, speaking in front of cameras and all of that kind of stuff. That's all he ever have done, you know. He took pictures when had cameras that was better than everybody's camera back in the days when he was in high school. Running around taking pictures, he's seven feet tall, and he takes right. pictures, and the pictures was coming out this new because he was so tall, you know. But he always had that. So every one of those guys, when they left, their basketball, when the game was over, and when it was game over for them, they understood. I already know. It was game over for them. They understood that they had something else that they had to do. And um, and Rolando is the same way. Um, and the uh, best player that I ever coached, ever. And everyone always asks me this question. Who is the best player that you ever coached? His name is Rigo Hill. Rigo Berto Hill. Roberto Hill? Rigo Rigo Hill. R-I-G-O Hill. He went to Grady High School. He played with Rolando Blackman. I got to ask Ro about him tomorrow. Rigo was left hand, right hand, defense, he used to kill all the players, Teddy Pendergast, all of those guys back in the days. He played for me. Unfortunately for him, and we talk about this today, um, he, um, only person he could play for was me. Mm. And that was a challenge. So he really, he played high school, and um, he didn't complete that. I mean, he completed high school. But playing, he couldn't get along with the coach. And then basically, when he got with me, he, but today he's doing fantastic. I mean, not a knucklehead like that. Uh, actually, he's um, he does pastoring in, in North Carolina. Been married close to 30, 35 years. So, you know, he handled his business, but he was one of my best. He was my best basketball player. Wow. He was ahead of every other player that I ever had. He was amazing. 
That's saying a lot, Coach. And, and he used to go at me when I played. That was one guy that I had to, like, yo, watch it because he, he played defense, everything. Very good ball player. Yeah. All right. Um, who's this? Uh, Mr. Crossland says, as a coach, what would have happened if Eric Fernandez Uh, if you were to coach Eric Fernandez all four years of high school, uh, or who, who is Eric Fernandez? Or let me just say this here: these people trying to set you up, man. Because whoever who Crossland, Crossland, Eric Fernandez was one of the greatest shooters that you could imagine. He was a little guy. I mean, mom's is Puerto Rican, uh, Hispanic. But he was, you know, black and and Hispanic. But I never heard him speak Spanish. So he, you know, from Brownsville, played with he played for me at two seventy five. And let me tell you, the guy was maybe um, man five one five four seven five one, skinny as anything, but could shoot the ball like these guys shoot with some distance or anywhere on the court. Incredible. He played for me and he wound up going to Nazareth with me, played one year with me, and then they moved. Grew to about 6'4", and he became one of the leading scorers and players for South Carolina State, I believe. And wow. Then he went over to play overseas in Puerto Rico and one of the top players there. Um, but let me tell you That's something. awesome. I never heard of him. This is awesome. Yeah, that's a, he's another guy, man. He could shoot the ball. I mean, I mean, anyway, I used to tell him, as soon as you step over half court, just let it go. Just yeah, Phil said he was Steph Curry before Steph Curry. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He could shoot anywhere. He won the three-point, well, I don't know what they call the three-point, the shooting contest back in the days. They used to have citywide shooting. He went all of those contests, man. He was amazing, man. Fantastic shooter, man. Now, I, I had someone, I can't remember the name, uh, I unpinned it, but someone had said that, uh, is there a problem? Do you have a problem with uh, some of the guys, high school coaches complaining? Complaining about what? Uh, what they have to do or the rules and the regulations? Listen, let me tell you something. As commissioner of the PSA of Brooklyn, I am pro coaches. I know how much money coaches spend. I don't. My, when I go to the when I go to the games or I go to their school to visit, I tell the coaches, I'm not here to, to got you. You know how you know I got the commissioner come and you. I got you. And everybody start getting nervous and. Move. I said, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to support you. That's my job, man. You are servicing our kids. Now, if I see you doing something that uh, unscrupulous to, to harm our kids, I'm going to pull you aside and let you know and, and see if we can get it corrected. But I know that you are spending a lot of money, a lot of time from your family, your own family. When you're a coach and you're into it, those are things that you do. I love me some guys that um, uh, 
the guys that coaching in Brooklyn, especially a lot of Brooklyn coaches that I have are dedicated. Yes. Because guys like um, a Lawrence Pollard, but he would he played in my league, you know, junior high school came up with fell. That guy is at Jefferson. You know the work that he has to put in, man. He put in so much work. His back came out. He had so much stuff, man. I'm like, yo, I know what you're going to. And I used to have to tell him, yo, calm down a little bit. You're doing everything. You know, and he has to check the food, check the So when he doesn't hand in a piece of paper, I cover for him. You know why? And I'm on here talking like this. Why? Because I know the work that he puts in. Same thing with uh, Nate, um, with Rob Phelps. Same thing with Ruth Lovelace. Same thing with Tiny Morton. Everyone thinks, oh, well, Tiny Morton, uh, this and that. Tiny works. You got to play. When you when you go up against Tiny, you got to come ready. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's going to outwork you. And, and they say, well, he recruits players and stuff. Half the time, he doesn't recruit players. Most of the time, the kids say, I want to go. They want to go to Lincoln. They want to go to Lincoln. Yeah. Because the, 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 the program is up that level. And sometimes Tiny, like, yo, coach, I got a kid that's coming in. I want to let you know. And I'm not recruiting them. And I say, I know how it is. Because the same thing happened with folks. Kids are going into Beppet because the parents say, look, I want academics and I yeah. want athletic works. And folks is going to give that to my kid. I need him, my kid, to go here. And folks would come to me and say, Coach, I got a kid. I said, see, that's exactly what happened with Tiny. That's what's happening with Lovelace. That happened to all the people that put in the energy and the time. And these guys work around the clock, even in the summer. We have a rule that says that you're not supposed to coach in the summertime. I'll be like Stevie Wonder and Ray Charles out there. <laughs> so I go around all over. And I watch these guys. And they all out there. You know, because what I told the people, I said, listen, we, as a black community, we cannot, cannot afford to have our kids go a summer with these men, responsible black men, that want to be with our kids, and they're not even getting paid. Yeah, yeah. If they leave those kids over the summer, those kids are going to go straight all over the place. Yeah. So I'm like, like, look, you guys do what y'all got to do. I'm not even sweating that. I'm not even trying to hear because I did it as a coach. I stayed with my kids all year round because that's what I love to do. That rule is a, a, a rule that needs to change because we need our black men and women that are coaching, especially Lovelace uh, that's out there. I know coach young men. We need them there to coach our kids. And father our kids and teach our young people. How are they gonna become a man if they don't have these men in their life? That's what I talk about in my book. This is a great segue because <clears throat> yesterday I was having a conversation with Eric Kicks. He's a proud sponsor of basketball heads. And we were just coming up with some ideas on how we can get back. And one of the ways we came up with is to create uh, an award in your honor. Um, 
for all the hard work and dedication and the work that you're still putting in. And I said, okay, cool. He said, Glenn, present the trophy. I'll do the 10 plate over, put Coach Ted's name on there. And from this point on, people who get the Basketball Heads Game Over Award, it'll be in honor of you. So tonight, we would like to present the first ever Basketball Heads True Legends Award sponsored by Game Over to one of your former players, Rob Phelps, right? Rob Phelps will receive the Basketball Heads Game Over trophy for his hard work and dedication and the time he has spent building this program, not only on the court, but off the court. And I think he's somebody that exemplifies what you stand for and what you're all about. And I'd like to present Rob Phelps <clears throat> with the award. Okay, Game Over True Legends Award. But not finished yet. That's the first award. The second award is going to New York City legendary coach Ray Haskins. Right? Now, we're going to honor coach for all the things that coach have done, from inspiring you to coaching some of the top players in our city, also mentoring and coaching girls, mentoring coaches, and doing what he have done to help all of us become better people. So tonight, I want everybody to give some thumbs up, some hands up, some round of applause in your own private space to Rob Phelps and Coach Ray Haskins, two recipients of the Game Overs Basketball Heads True Legend Award. Wow, congratulations. Yes, yes. 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 And Coach, Eric was like, yeah, that would be a great idea because I, I, I gave Coach an award, a basketball head's award already. I was like, well, you get another one. But then, you know, we put our minds together to come up with something that will be beneficial for everyone and then keep your name living forever. I, I, I appreciate that so very much, and you couldn't have picked – um, two of my favorite people. Uh, first of all, Coach Haskins. Um, man, they just can't give him enough awards, man. You know, Coach Haskins is a true warrior, man. You're talking about a guy that is black outside. We call him black on the outside. That's a joke. So if he listening, he understands. And black inside, in the heart. And um, we love him so much, man. My wife and I, um, Karen, she, um, when we see Coach Haskins, that's like they get together and sometimes I just leave them because they just talk basketball. She knows basketball. Uh, he, you know, she's from North, she, her family is from North Carolina. She went to school in North Carolina. So, you know, um, and be honest with you, as a basketball community, um, that's one of our jewels, man. Coach Haskins, yeah. man. You know, and the bottom line is you see what he did. Everywhere he's been, he's been successful. Yet still, 
they he still don't get the major coaching jobs that he should have gotten. And um, but we appreciate what he did at LIU. We appreciate what he turned everywhere he goes. He turned LIU around. He turned Alexander Hamilton around. That was a no school, and he turned that around. He took them young boys that's supposed to be street thugs, and everybody was negative about them. They came to school, came there with ties on. You know what I'm saying? Treating them, showing them how it works. And I see Peter Washington and and um, and uh, all the other guys that played for them, um, uh, Jerry Reynolds and all these guys, uh, Ed, Dan, all those guys incredible plan for them, but they became men. And Phelps, um, that's my son, S-U-N. He, um, he shines his light. He shine, He brings warmth, and he brings a lot of energy to those young people. Um, I do want to say this here. Um, him, Phil Hayes, Jonathan Anderson, um, my whole crew from Bishop Lachlan, which we didn't mentionally said, but I was at Bishop Lockman for four years, and I had Curtis Sumpter, mm. who was one of the top. I had him for three or four years. And let me tell you, not only did I have them, but out of that that crew that I had, Ted Mumford, uh, one foot, um, um, Andrew Wright, um, Rod, uh, Rod May Anderson, all of those guys are coaches. They was one of my most intelligent group of guys, uh, James Barrett. All of those guys that played there, they moved on to become coaches. I have a close to about 30 coaches now, young men. And that's what I talk about, the power of one breath. That's all it takes is my one breath to breathe life into some other people. And then they use their one breath to breathe life. That's what's going to change our community. It's important for us to breathe life and do that same thing. I do want to give a shout out, and I want him to ultimately, if I ever get a chance to give a basketball head coach um, award out, game over award out, I really want to give an award to my nephew, Rasheem Dunn who played at Jefferson High School, went to St. Francis, went to Cleveland State, came back out of Cleveland State, transferred to St. John's University. NCAA was not going to allow him to play, denied him about four or five times to play. He stuck in there. Finally got his dream playing at St. John's University last year was named MVP for St. John's University. Mm. And this, just three or four days ago, they had named him to the Big East Academic Scholar Athlete Awards. Salute that. Um, you know, when you got, this is my first really um, blood that I had that playing at the level that he has. I coached a lot of guys but not him, uh, in terms of having my own blood there, doing what he does. So I want to say kudos to him, and uh, he's listening. And if he's going to listen, I want to congratulate him right here on Basketball Heads. That's and right. And let him know 
that we appreciate him uh, and what he's doing. He's heading on graduating at St. John's. Hopefully they get a year in because he got one more year and um, his senior year, hopefully he can have that senior year and create havoc for the St. John's uh, Red Storm. So That's I'm really awesome. excited for him. Thank you, man. To do Rasheen Dunn. Yes. Definitely. Rasheen Dunn, yes. So, Coach, not going to keep you too much longer. Mm -hmm. We're going to have a, a, a Zoom discussion about who produced some of the best players, the PSAL or the Captain School League. Oh, boy. So uh, I have John Johnson, uh, Mo Fresh Brown, Earl Ref, and my partner. Uh, Which Earl? Larry you know, Earl Robinson? Yes, he was on the show as well. Yeah. Okay, so Earl Robinson and John Johnson. John Johnson, yes. That's my dude as well. Who else? Uh, uh, Mo Fresh Brown. He's gonna be representing uh, PSL from oh, Brady. Brown? Yes. Oh yeah, that's that's gonna be pretty good, man. I saw you had James Major on here once, right? And James Majors had James Majors. Yeah. No, James Majors created the craziest question. Uh, that now I'm going to be asking my fellow ballers who played college ball. He said when he was at Seton Hall, they received $5 for meal money. Yeah. Now, listen, I went to Fairleigh Dickinson. Mm. And we was on a road trip. We got 300 or more dollars. Yep. Now, I'm saying these guys are in the Big East. Was somebody pocketing that money? <laughs> well, you know what, Seton Hall is, I mean, they don't do that now. You know, these guys get, these guys are flying all over the place. Private right, right. But um, Seton Hall at that time when James was there, they wouldn't really, remember, they only had like one big building and they, I mean, they, it was, they was growing at that time. He, he went there, um, but um, yeah, they, they had, they were having it rough, man. That's a shame. Five hours. It's been a running joke, but it's, it's a great conversation piece, and we get to get an insight of how other college ball players would live it. Hey, you know what? Is I, I want to just uh, let you know that um, you are you familiar with Craig Booth? No. Craig Booth played ball at South Shore, but he he is producing this. A documentary called Ball Side Middle. Ball Side Middle. And it's a documentary um, talking about the, the 70s and the 80s of Brooklyn basketball. Um, a major, major uh, piece that he's doing. Um, and um, uh, we've been, so everyone's been supporting him and so forth. Go online if you go on email. Um, I'm sorry if you go on Facebook or any of those places. Look for ball side middle. And, yeah, uh, I'm definitely going to check that out. I would love, I would love to sit down and, and have a conversation with him. Yeah, he would be great to have a conversation with because he's another uh, basketball scholar. Uh, he knows basketball and he's been uh, going around filming and um, doing a lot of talks to a lot of folks. And um, I told him I would be on here tonight. Um, but 
uh, yeah, you need. I'll make sure that y'all reach each other. Oh, that 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 would be awesome because another one of the reasons why we want to create the the podcast is kind of bridge the gap between the past and the future ball players. Uh, because I was speaking to some guys today and they had no idea who Rolando Blackman was. Wow! So I had to give them a little history, talk them get on their phones. Uh, you guys, if you play this game, you should become students of the game, right? It was two young men and. They was out there shooting around. They were in their sandals. And I'm like, how do you get in the court with sandals? Like, as soon as you step on the court, right. you can be ready to play. You better be ready, yes. You're right. So it was like they're waiting, they're waiting for other guys to come down. I said, there's two of y'all here. Y'all should be working on some drills. And if you don't know any, I can show you some real quick because I'm going to transition to going somewhere. But I see you guys out here. I know you guys play high school basketball. One just finished up at Brooklyn Collegiate, and the other one is at Boys and Girls. He has another year. So I'm saying, don't waste any time, fellas. You know, time is of, of an essence. I don't, don't I, don't know I don't know if you're familiar with, with uh, us um, building the New York City High School Basketball Hall of Fame. And no, you were telling me that. I was, that. I was just about to ask you about that. Right. And the reason why we're building it, uh, and we have the endorsement of uh, Eric Adams, the borough president, and we've been looking at properties and so forth. My partners, I don't know if you know Rich Mason. Uh, yeah, heard of him, yeah. Yeah, Rich is powerful. He's a historian when it comes to basketball here in, in Brooklyn. Um, but one of the reasons why we're doing that is because what we found is because these schools are being split up, Closed, the kids don't know their history. Yeah. I went to Canarsie High School and we just talked to them. They didn't know anything about uh, World Be Free, Jeff Houston, none of those folks. They, uh, John Sally, they didn't know any of those guys. And um, even, even Pearl Washington, man, you know, Pearl was working at the great Pearl Washington, was working at uh, hold on, hold on for a second. Yo, Jay, come here for a sec. Sorry about that. My artist is about to leave out here. Okay, cool. Um, you want to take that 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 Ray post that Ray picture and touch it up? Yeah, this right here. Too. Sorry about that, Coach. Yeah, but the great Pearl Washington, uh, the kids didn't know who he was. And Pearl, I used to go into his office and I say, Pearl, you got to put some stuff up. And Pearl was that modest type. Guy, he's like, look, you know what? I ain't gonna put no stuff. I said, bro, the kids need to know your history. That's right. And when yeah. they found out who he was, man, them kids was in that office every day. Like, yo, you Pearl Washington, you Pearl? And after they seen him, what he did with Syracuse and everything. So it's important for us to be able to tell our story. So yes. that's our goal with the New York City High School Basketball Hall of Fame Center is to put there and I don't care yeah. if you was a manager, you could make it in the Hall of Fame Center. We have managers, um, statisticians, all of these people that worked in the school, uh, on the basketball program, we want to put them uh, up, find a place. We even have this thing called a brick, where you can get a brick into the walls of this Hall of Fame Center and to show your kids that I was a member of of the basketball community in New York City. Oh, I, I, I'm definitely going to put my brick up there. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. That's how I you know, 
I, 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 hopefully, we, we can have a, a, a little basketball hunt section where the, you know, the uh, legends are being interviewed. You know, that would be nice. But listen, I, I'm just here promoting as usual. Uh, no, no, no. You know what? I, I tell you this, though. Um, all outlets, uh, we're going to be doing, when we do the big thing that we, we always want to do something at the Brooklyn uh, Barclays Center on March 29th. And then COVID hit. So we had everything lined up. They gave us the inside place. I'm still going to get that. So what I want to do is I'm going to corner. I'm going to have basketball heads. You're going to have your little side. And we're going to have all the different, you know, pieces out there um, so that you guys interview people. We have them way around. We'll set it up, man, you know. So you I appreciate that, Coach. doing what you're doing, you know. Because we you. need this. We need some, some talk. You know? Yeah. Man, yes. enjoy the evening, man. Time go by. It's not. Oh, uh, it's already. We already. We already almost through with this, this last segment. All right. So three people. The best three people you played against. High school basketball and pro. Now, we're not saying that you played in the NBA, but you played against somebody who went to the NBA. Yes. So three people who you played against. Best in high school, best college, and the best pro you played against. And um, when you say play against, you're talking about... Uh, Actually play against. You know, in a game, or we're not talking about practice. No. Uh, that, it can be, it can yeah, be that. The one that the best guy I've ever played against in practice and every day was world be free. That's high school. And, yeah. and and that could be a pro, too. And that's, he was the hell of a yeah, pro. World, that was high school because we was there. World was like, you know, and um, so he was really, you know, after you played against him and maybe O'Neal Tarrant, who was – O'Neal Tarrant was an incredible basketball player. Those were two guys that I had to rock and roll every day at practice. That was no easy chore, man. Those guys go – Right. Um, the um, – and then what was the other two? Um, college and the NBA. All right. On a college level, wow, man. Oh, man. Um, what's the brother's name? Walter uh, Murray. Walter Murray from York College. He was incredible. Anybody know Walter Murray from York College? He, this guy was about 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six, and... Um, you know, me being one of the top players for John Jay College at that time, I, we always had to go up against the, a guy like him. He was incredible, good player. And then professional, um, I played against a lot of guys, professional. Um, but when they was in their prime, Fly Williams. Mm. I mean, Fly Williams was crazy. I got stupid. Eric Hicks will tell you this story, but, and I'm going to just close with this. This is how good Fly was. Me, Fly, uh, World Be Free, Jocko, all of us from Brownsville, we were playing at IS8 in their pro league at IS8. We was winning by a lot of points. Fly had about 46, 47 points at halftime. 
So he still wanted to fall because he wanted to go for a record. So he trying to break a record, you know, and stuff. And we like, yo, we busting these guys, but and so forth. Fly goes into the locker room. He pissed off with us. He goes into the rock locker room and he changes uniforms and goes on the other team. <laughs> so he he scored about 53 points against us on the other team. So now his thing, his, whenever he talks about this story, he said, yo, I scored 100 points in the game. Yeah, I heard him talk about that. Yeah, half was on with my team, and the other half was with the other team because they wow. were here, and he was killing us, man. But no one was better than Fly. Fly was an incredible basketball player. And um, wow. we, we I, I tell these stories because some of this, the legendary stories, uh, legendary stories, um, but he was very good, man. He, he, no matter, that was just one game, but I can tell you, so many yes, definitely. that I had yeah. to play against him. And he used to get me pissed off because he was 6'6", six, six, handle the ball like anything, and talk smack, you know. Wow. Um, but he was, those were those were the great guys that, that I had a chance to play against, man. Really, from a pro level, college level, and high school level. That's awesome. Yeah. Coach, when I see you, see pictures, y'all get to see you right now, see you in person, you're in great shape. Thanks, man. Right? What do you do to keep yourself in shape and stay healthy? Well, first of all, I have a sound spiritual life, all right? And I say it's spiritual because I believe in the power in one breath to breathe life. So my breathing is so important to me. And secondly, um, for years now, um, I um, stopped eating certain foods um, and uh, eliminating certain foods from my diet. And about four years now, uh, I've been under the uh, coaching of John Sally. I call him Coach Sally. Like, I ain't no coach, coach, but Coach Sally is my coach, and he coached me in the vegan area, uh, plant-based. He's more vegan. I'm more plant-based because he's concerned about the animals and all that kind of stuff. I'm concerned about them, but I'm concerned about my health, really. So right. I don't eat animals at all, and everything is plant-based. And then the third thing, is um, I do a lot of exercises. I still love playing ball at my age. Um, and when I get on the court, I try not to play like an old old school guy. I tell young people all the time, when, I, when an old guy like me get on the court, bust my butt. That's so right. Tell That's me right. To sit down. I said, because the only reason why I even attempt to still play with y'all because y'all have yet to bust my butt. Kill me. I don't care. Don't owe right. me old. We want to try it. No, no, no. Don't play on this court with me. I said, because I was a kid and you were old school, we didn't let you come on our court with us. Taking you out. That's you know, right. We going at you. We 19 years old, 20. So I tell young people all the time, I love to play the game. I do my exercise. I love bike riding. Um, Anybody tell you give me a ball, uh, training young people uh, and being around young people is so important to me. 
I really love millennials. Um, to me, they remind me so much of my generation, the baby boomers. And yeah. I'm always there to support them. Uh, they're doing a fantastic job with this um, uh, Black Lives Matter and this protesting. On, they're so on. I'm out there supporting them uh, to make sure that they know that we got OGs, the original gentlemen out there supporting them and um, giving them what they need. So the only way I can stay young is not to be around a bunch of older people, but be around the young people. <laughs> you know, that's it. They teach that's about right. everything. Look at me now. I'm on Instagram, man. You know? <laughs> You're all hanging out, man. You know, that's how it goes. Yeah. So with all this knowledge and experience you have, are you passing it down to anyone? Um, any of your children? You gonna pass it to your nephew? Yeah, my grandson is twelve years old, and every day, every other day, me and him go out bike riding. And um, right now, I'm so proud of him because he's learning constitutional law, and um, at twelve years old, he can recite all the laws of the Constitution, and um, he understands how to use them if he's stopped by a police officer. And one of his goals is to help his generation learn the Constitution, because he feels that uh, not enough of us know it. Uh, when he saw the Central Park Five movie, um, yeah. he, um, he, he realized right away that um, that they gave up all their rights uh, because they weren't able to communicate the law like they should. He's very intelligent. His nickname is we call him IQ. All right, IQ. <laughs> yeah, all right, IQ. all right. But he, you know, he's now starting to get into basketball. So I sent him to Coach Phelps and let Coach Phelps beat up on him like he did, like I did him. Um, but that's my pride and joy. And um, just recently, he led the march of um, 150, 200 businessmen. He was on the front line Wow! the march. And they interviewed him on television um, on News 12, uh, along with my granddaughter, who's nine years old. And um, so my grandkids, and I got another grandson who's five, they don't make these kids like they used to, man. No, 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 no. They're so, so much more advanced. They're so much more advanced than what we are. Take this out. This is quick. And then we're going to let we're gonna cut out on him. My grandson was four years old, right? This is my daughter, Kim's son. He fell out and he hurt his arm. He came to me and he came to the rest of the family. He says, guys. Y'all got to get me an x-ray because my arm could be broken. So I said, I, everyone did to him. My wife is a nurse. His, 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 his other grandmother is a nurse. And his mother is a teacher. You know, I'm a coach. I said, well, let me see your hand. Do like this. Do like this. And he was doing that and everything. He said, yeah, but I think y'all need to get me an x-ray. So we trying to figure out, where did you get the word x-ray from? We who taught you that? No one taught him. Lo and behold, about a week later, he's in the house and his hand, his arm swelled up. And my wife immediately took him to the hospital. 
and he gave him an x-ray and they found that he had fractured his wrist. And so they gave him, they gave him some anesthesiology, some local stuff just to get him foggy, but he could still move right. and push this thing back in. And while he did that, we all standing around the bay and he looks up to us and he says to us, I told y'all y'all should have got me to the doctor earlier. I was committed. I needed an x-ray. We all busted out laughing, man. He's like, I told them. The doctors are looking at us like, y'all neglecting your kid. These kids are so smart, man. That's right. And, That's right. You know, we just got to celebrate them, man. That's what I do with all of my young yeah. people, man. Celebrate what they're capable of doing, man. So, That's right. Yeah, man, that's, that's my story with the, the young people. Oh, man, I, I appreciate you, Coach. You know, um, and salute to your grandchildren. Uh, thank you for everything. Thank you for your time. I'm going to be in communication with you soon because there's some things I want to ask you off the air. Um, but this is the time when we come to, when we ask our hosts, who would they, who would they like to nominate to be on the show? Oh, you so, have me too. I actually guess. Right? And, and I, you know, you don't have to, you can't think of nothing right now. Uh, I know a few, uh, John, Sally, Tiny, and World Be Free, but that's, you know, we'll leave that to you. You get back to me and let me know. Listen, Glenn, I think you should interview this person. This would be good for you. You know, oh, that's Steve Mary Smith. That would be awesome. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that would be awesome, man. So any of those connect. Now, Stephen A. Smith, a good guy to, the pound on is Phil Hayes, so always remember that. Oh, for sure. I, 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 I already know that. When I, when I, when I see Phil tomorrow, when I'm getting my, uh, my juice from him, uh, definitely, my, I'm definitely gonna ask him that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that'd be good. But I, I got, yeah, those three, and I got a couple of more. And I'm glad you're gonna be getting Rolando on. Uh, did you guys schedule when you're gonna have him on? Uh, tomorrow, 8 o'clock, I do my shows every Sunday, Monday, and Wednesday, 8 o'clock. Oh, so you be on tomorrow at 8? Yeah, I got uh, Rolando Blackman on tomorrow, uh, and I got Al Eford from Harlem on Wednesday. Oh, Eford? Yes? Yeah. Get out of here, man. Yo, yo, you, yo, you, yo, don't blow up like this here, man. You know, you know <laughs> that. You got all these people, you're going to be like my boy that John Sally is on his show every Week, man, sooner or later, man. You know? Listen, look, New York has a, a rich tradition. I'm glad I jumped on it early, and it's just something that's just overdue right now. Well, let me just say this here you could jump on this early if you want, but if you didn't have your own personal talent, great personality, and do your homework like you have been, so you came in here, you knew the questions to ask, and I'm very impressed, man. And, um, keep on keeping on man the other guys told me about you but this is just like a comfortable flow it's like i'm just talking to a guy in the park about the history man you know uh so man keep on doing that man basketball heads forever Peace. thank you thank you coach man Love appreciate you, you. Man. take care of yourself right yes definitely Peace out. Um, i'll definitely be speaking to you because i want to get that picture to you all right all right not a problem Thanks a lot. I appreciate you. Talk to you. Peace out. Yeah. All right. All right, people. Now